Like all of us are at different places in our lives. And if we're being honest, the song Billionaire that we just sang this morning, like all of us have had that thought at some point in time, right? If I could be a billionaire or just have a lot of money, my life would be satisfying. Like if I could have that stuff. If you've never thought that, by the way, I'm really impressed with you because I have. Probably this week I've thought, man, if I could just like, what if you could just fly anywhere you want? Like a buddy of mine, one of his best friends flew out to Bora Bora this week and got engaged. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that, that sucks. I would hate to be in Bora Bora in one of those bungalow dudes that the fish swim up. And you're like, that would be terrible if Lee and I were in a bungalow right now. I want to be a billionaire so bad. Sorry, that was free. But like, like I, but you understand, right? I understand that feeling of wishing I could be satisfied with stuff all the time. And just recently, I read this on Twitter this week. Just recently, Jim Carrey said, I wish every human being on the planet could have all the fortune that they want and all the fame that they want so they realize it really doesn't make them happy. I mean, that's, that's strong coming from a man that is a, a known Scientologist. He's had seven wives. He's miserable, miserable in his life. And yet his wisdom is a lot stronger than our wisdom. And you say, yeah, well, that's easy for him to say he's worth almost $200 million. He just sold a house in Malibu that was on the ocean that's crazy nice. But this is the dude that's done it, right? I mean, he's been there. Matter of fact, he's in it now. He can buy anything he wants right now. And he's absolutely miserable. And, and I think for a lot of us, what we... What we tend to do, especially this time of year, maybe y'all aren't like me, but, but this time of year it seems like right, you're, you're like me. You're sitting, and what do we get for Christmas? Like we want something. We have a particular, for instance, I'd love to get a certain golf club or something like that, and we get that pair of socks that you were really hoping for, and we just throw it behind, right, and go to the next thing. And it seems like we're never satisfied. Like I'm a better gift giver than other people are, and I never get what I want. And I just want a life that feels satisfying. I just want a life that feels full. Why is my life always feeling like this, especially in December? And there's a reason that December is the number one time for suicide and the number one time for divorce and all these other things. And it's because we get so much emotions taking place and we're so busy with all kinds of other things. And then we wish we had so much other stuff that it is miserable and our lives are a wreck. And all we want is just to have that feeling of satisfaction. And this is what I think is so cool about God. Like a lot of times we look at God and we look at what he wants us to do or not do. And we look at the rules and we think all God wants me to do is like follow these rules and not have a fun life and be miserable and like wear a monk suit and just and just go through the motions. Right. And God doesn't want me to be satisfied. And nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth than what God wants for you. I want to read you a couple verses and kind of explain to you what I believe God wants for your life. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 16, this won't be on the screen, says, For from his fullness, his fullness, we receive grace upon grace. And, and then this is, this is important, and I want you to kind of circle this in your minds because we're going to come back to it. Matthew five seventeen says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, but I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Fulfill them. Listen to what John 10, 10 says, and I put it in two different translations because I thought it was so cool how that word satisfying comes out and, and what it looks like. John 10, 10 says, the thief, Satan, the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is what the New Living Translation says. The thief 
The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Rich and satisfying life. I find that fascinating that his purpose is not to steal or kill or destroy us, but to give us a satisfying life. And the word in the original language for satisfying, by the way, it means to be filled. Have y'all ever, if you're a man in here, I really need some backup. Like y'all need to talk right now. Have y'all been like on a trip and you went with a wife or like a girlfriend or whatever and you, you, or a bunch of people and you packed together? Raise your hands. You packed together with someone on a trip before. What happens? We normally don't pack together because it is such a war <laughs> to try. Like I get this much of the suitcase and Leah gets this much of the suitcase. But when it's done, what, what do you have to do? Right? You end up, it, the suitcase is on the bed and I end up putting it on the floor because there's so much stinking stuff in the suitcase. I'm standing on it. And like the zipper, y'all know what I'm talking about, the zipper going, and it's barely zipping up. And like the, the dudes are like separated. So even when you, even when you zip them up, there's like space in between them. And this, the zipper's just going, please, mother of mercy, do not put anything else in this suitcase. That is too much stuff. And like we pack everything. Like if you can imagine something on a trip, we take it. Like we have 17 humidifiers on our trip when we go. And I have no idea why, but we take them. Like we take, we take hair dryers. They already got one there, but we want our hair dryer. We got brushes and all kinds of stuff. I just need like a few pairs of drawers and we can even wash those out. Right. And some swimming trunks and a couple shirts and we're good. So like my duffel bag, we can do work. I probably need some deodorant, you know, some soap. But after that, we're good. The other bag is so full, it's overflowing. It's like, it's like Thanksgiving dinner, the third helping overflowing, where you feel like you could just cut yourself open and let it go and you could go again. It's that full. That's what God wants for your life. That is what that word satisfying means. He wants you to have overflowing joy and overflowing peace. And the truth is not much, not many of us, I mean, have that. Because we want to be a billionaire. Because we have so many other things in our life that we have to have. And so I just want to give you a couple things this morning. Two things this morning that I believe can help you during Christmas. And quite honestly, when you set New Year's resolutions, when you do all these other things, I think it can help us as we go forward to have a life that's more satisfying and more filling. And where you walk out and when you experience God, you feel like, oh my goodness, if I get any more, I'm going to have to unzip because God has filled me so much. And it won't be that feeling of when I get, I just want more. And when I get, I just want more. And it feels like it's never full and my suitcase is empty. Today, I want to fill your suitcase up. So when you walk out of here, you feel absolutely full and it's not by me, it's by God. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, in the next couple minutes, I pray that you'll help all of us See what it looks like to have a satisfying time of Christmas for fullness. God, you didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And by your fulfillment, by your fullness, you've given us grace upon grace. God, you are the filler. And I pray that you'll fill so many of us today that need it. Because, God, there's plenty of us here that are hurting and struggling wherever we are. Whether it's a job situation or a home situation or with our kids or, or with things that are going on, with things that we can't control or can control, whatever it is, God, help us be filled by you this morning. Help us be satisfied. We're so excited about what you're going to do this morning. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So I want to give you two things, two ways to be satisfied during Christmas. And the first one is 
I've got, I've got to have a new appetite. I've got to have a new appetite. If y'all are taking notes, that's the first note. I've got to have a new appetite. I encourage y'all to take notes this morning, by the way, because um, the second point, I'll explain it more when I get there. But I, I believe, I've, I've said this very few times to y'all, um, Friday afternoon I got home from work and I just really felt like the Lord gave me a word and it wasn't, it was an addition to the message and I just started writing. I have only told Leah this. I just started writing and it was like heaven came open and y'all might think it's terrible, but I thought it was really cool and I didn't read it somewhere. I just, I just really felt like the Lord gave me a word. And so I hope y'all will write these down. We may do a sermon series with it sometime or something. I don't know, but um, I was excited about it. So I hope y'all will write them down. But the first one is a new appetite. And this is what I mean by new appetite. Um, I will start a diet again, just letting y'all know. I just really need to compete. So if one of y'all will bet me that I can't do it, I think I can do it because I like to prove people wrong and I like to win. But if I'm just going out there and starting a diet, it's just really hard because I have no motivation. Because I know I'm a little bit chubby and I'm okay with that. I've just got this little thing going and whatever. You know, I don't know. It just I know I need to lose weight, but but here's what I do. When, when I start a diet, I, I typically eat too much, which is shocking to all of y'all that I eat too much. And so I, I just start, I eat too much, and I just, you know, whatever at meals. And then if there's cookies around the house, that's Leah's fault because she shouldn't have bought cookies. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to get rid of the cookies in the house. So I eat them all, the whole tray of them, right? So I get rid of all the food. And so when I start a diet, my new appetite goes from a pound of cookies or a pound of meat to a pound of pork rinds. And here's the problem with that. A pound is still a pound. And I know pork rinds are better for you. By the way, that, that's nasty. But uh, I know pork rinds are, are better for you than cookies. But a pound is too much. Like, my problem is not really what I eat, but how much I eat. I, I don't portion control very well at all, and I just keep pounding food. And we just go by and snacking, all the time snacking, snacking, and eating too much, and eating too much. And so when I start a lifestyle change, what I should really do is obviously change what I eat, but change how much I eat. Because my intake is so much too much, and that's the way my, my, my life looks like. I want to be a billionaire. So bad. I want to take so much in. I've got to get stuff. I've got to, be, I've got to be satisfied with stuff. So I constantly have to have more, have to have more, have to have more. And the only way that my appetite can change is by being touched by God, by having God touch my life. Because if God isn't enough for me, if God isn't enough, my life will be rough. If God isn't enough, my life will be rough. And that's what, that's what my life looks like a lot of times is he's not enough. And so this is how I think, this is how I think we can be satisfied. So I think... We can be satisfied by having a new appetite. The first one is, um, first verse I want you to look at is Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So this is the question we have to ask ourselves. This is a question I asked myself this week as I was writing it down. Do I honestly delight myself in, in God? Do I honestly do I honestly find pleasure, take joy, feel satisfied? Do I long for him? Like when I wake up in the morning, do I, am I looking forward to being with God? And when I go to bed at night and during the course of the day, do I look forward to telling him my issues, my personal stuff, and the stuff that's good? Do I, do I look forward to praising him? Do I look forward to just, just talking to him? And, and, and then when I have difficulties, do I look forward to looking for the promises of God that are found in Scripture? 
and having him help me because this is what I get more often than not. Listen, this is what I get more often than not. Look, I don't understand why I'm struggling so bad. Well, have you spent time in scripture? No. Have you prayed at all? No. Like, so you haven't talked to God at all? Like the, the creator of the whole universe once about your situation or, or, or when things were good, you didn't praise him at all because you did it, right? Because it was, it was you. You, you, you got your money. You got your happiness. You, you provided all these things. And that's what we honestly think about ourselves is I did this. I'm, I'm the man. And we don't delight, delight, find pleasure and love God at all. And so my appetite will continue to be what I can get, what I can get, what I can get constantly. Because that's the only thing that can fill me is the next cool thing. It's like, like people that have addiction problems, they, they go to the next thing constantly. Well, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we look ourselves in the mirror, that's all of us. We may not be on drugs and we may not have our picture in the newspaper for crystal meth like this week, like some of y'all saw. We, we, we may not be that. So we can feel good about ourselves, right? Because we're not those people. Can you imagine being those people? And we're the same way with stuff. We got to get the next thing or I'm not satisfied because we don't find satisfaction in God. We don't find satisfaction in giving to others. We don't find satisfaction in loving people. I only get satisfaction if I get that brand new iPad mini for Christmas. That's how I'll have satisfaction. If I get that next thing, that's how I'll have satisfaction. And what that leads to is a life of like a hamster where we're constantly spinning. And we never feel like it's enough. And our suitcase is never full, by the way. It's never full. I'm constantly empty. I'm struggling. I'm frustrated. I'm not satisfied. And I just, I just want to just get angry. I don't understand. And here's the byproduct, by the way, of, of when we're satisfied. And I find, this, I find this exciting because, I don't know, when you, when you spend time with God intimately and you get to know him, he reveals the stuff in your life and you don't like it. But also you want to know him more. And, like, the goal in our lives should be to bring him joy, right? We should bring him satisfaction. Like, you were created and I was created to worship and glorify God. And so here's the recipe. Here's the recipe. When our appetite changes, here's the recipe for bringing God uh, glory. Psalm 147, 11, But those who take pleasure, excuse me, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. I think if we hope in the steadfast love of the Lord, if we hope, if we, if we find our joy, if we find our pleasure in the love that God has given us and the grace that he, by his fulfillment that he gives us, like John chapter 116 says, but if we, if we just, if we place our trust in him and every day, no matter how bad our lives stink or how good our lives are, we give him praise. We give him praise no matter where we are. And if, and if in all of our difficulties, we say, God, I just, I just, you feel me. And I take, I take pleasure in you, God. Guess what happens is he gets pleasure in us and make sure you understand this. God doesn't love you more or less no matter what you do. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God loves you the same. If you screwed up this week so bad, you can't even describe how bad you've messed up. God loves you the same. And that's beautiful. That God is perfect and loves you. But here's what's awesome is he can get pleasure by me hoping in him. I can give the creator of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, the one that's so much bigger and more powerful than we can possibly describe with words, with finite minds. I can give him pleasure by hoping in him. But what I hope in is me. 
Because I'm the God of my life, and I don't want him to get pleasure. I want me to have pleasure. And that's why I'm unsatisfied. When I try to please myself over please my Savior, I'm in a lot of trouble. And my appetite never changes. And even though I might put in my mind, listen, listen, I might put in my mind, I'm going to do better, right? Because we've all done this. I'm going to do better. I'm not going to lose my temper with my wife anymore. I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do these things. It's just like me starting to diet on January 1st and being done on January 20th because I didn't change my appetite. The first thing we have to do is change our appetite and find our joy in Jesus. And by doing so, number two, we let God fill us up. We let God fill me. And if God is not what fills me, I will be a mess the rest of my life. If God is not what fills me up, my life will constantly be a roller coaster where some days are good and some days are low. And I don't, I don't get any constant pleasure. I, I receive momentary happiness, but joy is never there. If God's not enough, my life will be rough. God's not enough, my life will be rough. And for a lot of us, our lives are rough. Listen, for someone like Jim Carrey, how in the world, like we think to ourselves, how in the world is his life rough? He's got it so good, right? He's got it so good. He's worth $200 million. He has that sweet house in Malibu with panoramic windows of beautiful ocean and an infinity pool and money at his disposal that a minimum of $10 million for doing the next Dumb and Dumber and then parts of the profit. He'll probably make over $25 million this year just on that one movie. Second Dumb and Dumber, and all these other things, and how can you possibly be miserable? And he said, I wish all of you guys could have that. Because if God doesn't fill you, it'll never be enough. This is the things that I wrote down this week. I just was in my office, and um, I mean, I study there every week, and I get messages, but I just told Leah when she got home, I said, you got to come in here and look what I wrote down. I just really felt like this was from the Lord. And these may seem very simple to you. But I just felt like they were timely. That if God's not enough, my life will be rough. These are the, if God's not enough, these aren't on the screen. Let me just read them to you. But this is what happens when God's not enough. When God's not enough, my family suffers. My family suffers. If you're married, your spouse most especially suffers directly. If you have kids, your kids suffer. But if you don't, if you're single, your family still suffers. God's not enough. You'll treat your mom, if you're... If you're a student in here, you'll treat your mom or dad with short tempers. You won't be respectful. And anybody else in our family will be short with them because if God's not enough, we won't be filled. And therefore, the byproduct of that is I'll be mean to my family. My friends suffer because I always try to one-up my friends when God's not enough. If they get something, I'm not happy for them. I don't have genuine joy. I want to one-up them. And so when God's not enough, I want to show my friends that I'm better than them rather than love them, and I want to one-up them. So when God's not enough, I one-up my friends, and I, then my job suffers big time. When God's not enough, my job suffers. See, what, what, what happens when God is enough is I have gratitude that is so evident to everybody because, listen, gratitude is never silent. Gratitude is never silent. If you truly have joy in your heart, if God truly is what fills you, it cannot be silent. It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. You can Facebook, like I do, right? All the time, Facebook, and I'm grateful, but people recognize the truth of gratitude. And gratitude only comes from being filled with God, from having your suitcase packed with joy that comes from God. And if that is the case, your job, even if it stinks sometimes, you'll be joyful at work. 
But if not, what's going to happen at your job is the people around you are going to know you're miserable. The people at home are going to know you're miserable because you get home and you say, oh, I can't stand my job. And listen, all of us will be there at some point in time. But if that's the majority of the time, it's because God's not filling me, not because of the situation that I have. See, God's greater than my circumstances. God's greater than my circumstances. And that's not why I struggle in the areas that I struggle. I'm the reason that I struggle in the areas that I struggle. So my job suffers. And then all these other things like language starts to creep in and I start, I start negatively saying things and doing things. And by language, I mean gossip. I mean swearing. I mean all these other things. And, and then after that, I believe, and this is what I wrote down, I believe when all these are a byproduct and they happen, what creeps in after that is sin. And it's deep sin. And it's pitted deep and, it's, and it entangles us and clings to us. But those other things aren't necessarily sin to start with. They're just not being filled with God. And like Hebrews 12, and I've preached on this several times, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, verse 2, let's throw off the things that entangle us and the sin that so easily destroys us and holds us up and let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For with the joy set before us, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and is now seated on the right hand of God. But what I don't do is that. And what I do is I cling to all this other stuff and I find my joy in all these other things and I don't let God fill me. And when, my, when God's not enough, my life is rough and, and it's evident for everybody because I can stand up here and I can tell you guys these things, but if the truth is God is not filling me in my life, when I go out there, you don't see joy, you see unsatisfaction. And when unsatisfaction is in my life, those are the byproducts. And then this is the results. Is I give when I give to God. I give out of look what I did and not... Look what I get to do for God. I give out of, look what I did. Look look at me. Look what I did. And not look what I get to do for God. I serve, right, because we ask you to serve people. That's one of our core values. We ask you to serve people. I serve to be seen and not to be used greatly by God. So I want people to see me being served. And then I love others selfishly because I want love. I want people to do for me. I want what they offer me. And not because God first loved me and he called me to love one another. And that's what my life looks like constantly when God's not enough. And so this is the part of the message that I hope you won't turn me off. Because it's very important and I'm so excited to share uh, what we're going to share in the next couple minutes. But um, I just want to give you a couple statistics. I believe it's a byproduct. Um, This wasn't completely a money message, by the way. Obviously, we're 20 minutes in and um, we're almost done. So... Just the last little bit I want to talk about um, giving. And it's specifically for our Christmas gift next week. And I'm asking all y'all to open your hearts up and change who you are to who God wants you to be. And giving is a huge part. God talked about money. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about prayer, faith, and heaven combined. And if that's the case, it must be important. And it must be one of the things that keep us from being filled. And and one of the ways that we can be filled is by giving. Because Acts chapter 20 verse 35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than receive. And at Christmas time, listen, it's more blessed to give than receive. And if you're not a natural giver, we all love to get gifts. And if anyone says they don't, I'll be like, okay, because if you get that certain thing, you'll be excited. But it's more blessed to give than receive. So I read this in the latest census, by the way. This isn't a church study. 2010 census. The average evangelical like us gives approximately 2 to 3% of their money away. 
2 to 3%. 44% of evangelicals, which is the people in this room, give zero a year to the church. Nothing. Zero. And the reason that we do that is not because, not all the time, not because we hate the church. It's not a hatred thing, I don't think. The reason that we don't give out of an excited, abundant heart is because we don't trust God. We don't trust God to take care of us. We don't trust that God will provide for us where he needs to provide for us. And so we, we throw the word tithe around. And I, don't, I haven't really preached on it much because I'm so, I'm so big on giving out of a cheerful heart, giving it abundantly. But the tithe predated Abraham, or excuse me, predated the law. Remember, Jesus didn't come to, to abolish the law, but fulfill the law. But the tithe was before the law. Abraham brought a tithe before Moses ever came in Genesis. And so it's been around forever. And it's like the benchmark. I want you all to get this. The tithe is the benchmark for the church. Like it's not if you do this, then, then you're good. The tithe is the benchmark. It's, it should be like the aiming point that we shoot for, the, the very basement that we shoot for, the very bottom thing that we try to do. And if you don't, like we're not writing you a letter, but I'm just telling you that's what we should try to do. And, and, and here's the deal. Here's the reason that I think we should. And here's where I'm going to take you in just a minute. I want to be a part of God's blessings in my life. And so what Leah and I do right now, we're praying through what we can do more next year and next week for the Christmas offering. Because this is what Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, bring the full tithe in the storehouse. That's the church. That's, that's where we are now. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby and this is, you should circle this and star this. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a great blessing until there is no more need. See, if I have to constantly provide for me, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have a job and you shouldn't pay your bills. I'm saying like, do I feel full? Am I willing to do this challenge? Listen, this is the challenge. See if you can give too much where God won't bless you that much. Because his words, not my words, are put me to the test. And this isn't a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if you start tithing, you'll get a Lamborghini next week. You're not. <laughs> if you do, though, let me know because that would be awesome. <laughs> I'd be really excited if you got a Lambo because I'd ride with you. But you're not getting that. What I'm saying is God is going to bless you. And your marriage will... Be blessed, and your lives will be blessed. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I can promise you this. If you've never given anything, and you give out of a cheerful heart, and you give something and try to start letting God bless you a little bit, I'm telling you, by the authority of Scripture, He will. Can I give you an example personally? Leah and I are giving. I'm not going to tell you an amount because it doesn't matter, but we're giving more right now by a long shot than we've ever given. And I'm telling you, financially, we're better than we've ever done. And I'm making less money right now by more than $10,000 than I used to at my old job. And she's making about the same. How does that work? I, I'm telling you, I don't know. We have a house payment that was more than we did when we were younger. We have two kids now instead of one. And we're giving more money than we ever have. And I'm telling you, somehow, and I'm not, this isn't like feel-good message. This is truth. God blesses. And I'm not telling you we have these huge excesses. I'm just telling you we're blessed. And that's what we want for you guys, is to be blessed beyond measure. But we, we, we strongly believe this is part of your worship. And we strongly believe 
that God loves a cheerful giver. So if you come in with a tithe, right, and we put the cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians 9, right here on the card. But if you come in and you're like, all right, God, put this daggum thing in the box or I'm going to give on that giving kiosk or I'm going to give online, just get off my back, I don't think you'll be blessed. But if you give as part of what God can do and will do in your life, he will open the floodgates. He will open the floodgates in your life. So this is, this is why I told you all these things. One, I want God to be enough because if God starts being enough for our church, everyone will start giving more and more. And we'll be like the church in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians 7 where I have to say, okay, that's enough. Paul told them that's enough. That's too much money. Let's start giving it to other places. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And I really think if we ever get on God's team and let him be our fool, that's what we'll have to do, and that's awesome. But here's really why I want you to give. Is We went to Nicaragua. We've been three times now to Granada. And um, today, they will worship in 90-plus degree temperatures in a room that we're going to show you on a video in just a minute that's, that's a different size than this. It's more like a rectangle, but then they built a shed over it, and they'll pack 150 people in there, and they have miserable facilities and we have an opportunity to put a roof on this building and pour a concrete floor and I want you to see it so will you watch this what's up four points we wanted to come on site to what we're calling four points Granada to a church that we've partnered with and we're so excited about we're spending time here this week preparing for what we're planning on doing in the spring but this is where we need your help uh, we want to raise $25,000. They've been meeting in this location for over two years, but it's it's all open. And so they built a shed two years ago, about when Four Points started, two years ago uh, this October, and 150 people jam into that spot. and It's crazy. When it rains, they have to cancel church. But this community is growing like crazy. As a matter of fact, you can see there's houses being built uh, behind me in the in the background of Mombacho, the, the beautiful mountain behind me, and, and this community is thriving and growing, but the problem is there's no place for them to worship together. And so what our plan is to do is to team up with Pastor Jose and this great church and build them a roof over their building and put a floor down and give them a place to worship because it's our vision to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely in our community as well as around the world. And this is the community we've chosen to partner with and we're so excited about it. So this is what we're asking you to do. As part of our big gift this Christmas, we're asking you to dig deep and we think we're going to exceed well over $25,000 to get this project done this spring. So will you pray about what God wants you to do in this building? It is extremely rural. Um, it's rough. And um, just in the last um, few weeks, we found out that they, they're paving a road out where the church is going because those little houses are going in there and if y'all had been there some of y'all have it's, it's, that's crazy that there's they're, that they're paving a road and getting ready for what I believe is just God's ordination for this to happen like I think he's doing this and I think it's all God and I uh, we're just extremely excited so this is what we're asking you to do this is um, obviously we need to meet our budget Okay. Each week we need we have a budget and we try to meet it. But what we're asking you to do next week is not give a gift just for four points, but so that four points can then give back and help a group 
that is meeting under a shed in a wide open place that, that honestly is going to be able to house, I, I think they would jam probably a thousand people in there. And lives are getting changed. People are getting saved in that church. And we want to be a part of that. And so we just, we're dreaming, but we believe that if God's people come together and they give sacrificially and above and beyond, that, that we'll crack this no problem. And so this is how you can do it, okay? Going back to the message now. Um, if, if God's not enough, my life's going to be rough, and I'm not going to want to give. I'm not going to want to be a part of something like that. So, so this, is, this is how you can respond today. Obviously, you can pray, and I'm asking every person that's a four-pointer, if you're not part of our church, uh, we're grateful that y'all are here. We certainly don't expect y'all to give if you're not part of us, but, um, but you can certainly give to, to that next week. What we're asking you to do is evaluate honestly, where am I with Jesus? Where am I with Jesus? Because there's one of two people in here if God's not enough in your life and, and you've truly not been satisfied. And that song, I Want to Be a Billionaire, is the honest theme song for your life, is you're either not saved. What that means is you've placed all your trust in Jesus and let him come in and fill your life and change you. And it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old and you're rich beyond measure or 15 years old and you don't have a dollar. We're all the same when it comes to eternity, when it comes to we meet God face to face. We're all the same. We're all the same. And the only thing that's going to matter is what did I do with Jesus and was he my Savior and Lord? And then for all of you that say, yes, I am a Christian, you have to answer this question for yourself. Does God really fill me every single day? Am I really satisfied with my life? This Christmas, am I really satisfied or can I do more? Can I let God be what fills me? And you have to answer that for you right now. So will you bow with me? We just answered these these um, two questions. Just remain seated with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Answer these two questions. The first one. First one. How many of y'all would say, Mark, dude, I'm just being real. I'm not asking y'all to get up. I'm not asking you to move. I just want your honesty. How many of you would say, Mark, I'm honestly not filled right now. I'm not asking you if you're saved or not saved. I'm, not, I'm just saying, how, Mark, I'm not filled right now. Like my life is not filled by God. Being totally honest with where you are, will you raise your hand up right now? Totally honest. Who's not filled? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty all around the room. Thank you for your honesty. I'm going to tell you what's awesome is over half the people in here said that they are filled by God. And that means your life is amazing. Your life is awesome. And that, that is fantastic. For every person that didn't raise their hand, this is the question that I have for you. Is anybody in here willing to say, Mark, the reason that my life is not filled is because I do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know him as my Savior and Lord. If that's you in here, I just want you to raise your hand right now and say, Mark, that's me. I, if I died right now, I wouldn't know if I was going to heaven or hell because I wouldn't know if I had Jesus as the Savior of my life. Will you just raise your hand, Mark, that's me. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. Anybody in here? God, right now, our prayer is that you will touch hearts of every person in this room. God, over half the people said that they're, they're satisfied right now, and that is so awesome. For the ones that, that say, God, 
that they're not filled right now, I pray that they'll leave with their suitcase slammed full and that they'll be filled every day by personal time with you. That they'll walk with you and know you more. And God, we will dig deep. Every person in here, man, woman, child, will dig deep to give you more than we could possibly imagine we could give so that we will be blessed beyond measure and our lives will change. God, help it be about you this Christmas season and not about us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Will y'all just stand with me? We're going to close in just a second with worship, but I want to tell y'all a couple things. Um, tonight is our Christmas... Y'all go ahead and stand. Tonight is our Christmas um, youth or student party, and so um, 5.30 to 7, we'll be doing that. It'll be awesome in here, so y'all come. And seriously, this is, this is what I want y'all to pray about this week. Um, like I said, if you're a four-pointer, pray this week. What would you have me give, God, above and beyond? Um, not just for a tax write-off. That's certainly a good reason if you need a tax write-off, but that's not the reason. We want you to give because you want to be used by God, because you want God to do more and because we want to help our friends in Nicaragua that are filled with joy under a tin roof with no air obviously and 100 degrees we want to give back and do that so will you pray this week and do that y'all we're going to sing about joy so will y'all smile on your face and be excited because God is our joy this morning <laughs>